Welcome to the Doc Washburn Show, the show that talks about what you actually care about. The Doc Washburn Show streams live at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, weekdays on the Podbean app, which you can download onto your smartphone. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N, and is available for download at Spotify, Apple, or wherever podcasts are available. The Doc Washburn Show is on Twitter and Facebook. You can email us at contact at docwashburnshow.com or call us at 866-609. 3711. All right, this is episode 55 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Wednesday, December 29th, 2021. Yes, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. Yes, it's obvious last November's presidential election was stolen. No, my old employer wouldn't let me say that on the radio. And yes, there's all kinds of evidence out there that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We are unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. Now, one of the big topics today, Dr. Fauci belongs in prison. We have the receipts. We'll be bringing that to you momentarily. But let me just mention to you, If you have tried to buy a car recently, car, truck, van, or SUV, you realize there's such a chip shortage that you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for in your area. Now, people I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom. The freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website that puts you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry. Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection you'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options on it. Now, clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions that then create personalized payment options that you have full control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically so you can determine what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, a truck, a van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom, the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live, all over the continental United States, redriveryourway.com. You'll be glad you did. All right, I, I want to start with a clip from a recent video podcast that uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. did. He's got something called the uh, Children's Health Defense Organization. And he's got a book out about how horrible Fauci is. And um, this is um, a woman named Michaela Peterson. She has 419,000 subscribers on Nashville, and she does a video podcast. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Let me um, 
well, it's about about two two minutes and ten seconds long, and I want you to listen listen closely here, and and please don't be put off by his voice. He has a a a biological condition with his larynx with his voice box uh, that makes makes things difficult for him. He seems to be eminently healthy otherwise. So uh, just bear with us here. What are your views on? on um, giving this COVID vaccine that they've made to kids. I know I'm from Canada, and I, I think that they're implementing that in order to go to school in Canada. Well, they have to give it to kids because here's why. They, they cannot market this vaccine without having immunity shield. So, I mean, I sue pharmaceutical companies for a living, and I have enough criminal activity that I know about Pfizer at this point and Moderna. If they went ahead and marketed a vaccine where I, where they can where they end up killing people or injuring them, and I can sue them, well, they'd be through. So they're never going to market a vaccine, allow people access to a vaccine, an approved vaccine, without getting liability protection. Now, the the emergency use authorization vaccines have liability protection under the PrEP Act and the CARES Act. So as long as you take an emergency use, you can't sue them. Once they get approved. Now you can sue them, unless they can get it recommended for children. What? Because, because all vaccines that are recommended, officially recommended for children, get liability protection, even if an adult gets that vaccine. That's why they're going after kids. They know this is going to kill and injure a huge number of children, but they need to do it for the liability protection. And here's how they know that it's going to injure kids. They, during the Pfizer study, they only tested it on 1,300 children. And one of those we now know was a girl called Maddie Gary. And we only know about this because she and her family came forward and told them what told us what happened. Maddie Gary got the vaccine. She immediately went into seizures. She is now in a wheelchair for life, and she needs a feeding tube to eat. So Pfizer, you know, because Pfizer only tested on thirteen hundred kids, it is stuck with the with the extrapolation. And one out of every 1,300 kids is going to be injured like that, an injury worse than death. Pfizer did not report her injury. Instead, it said she had a stomachache. So that's what they reported to the FDA. All right, you got that? You got that? You can't make this stuff up. Now, I remember the story of Maddie DeRay from uh, this past summer. United States Senator Ron Johnson tweeted a video of Maddie and her mother. And he said, 12-year-old Maddie DeRay was excited to be part of the COVID vaccine trial. Her parents are in medicine and engineering and wanted their kids to help bring an end to the pandemic. But now Maddie is in a wheelchair and needs a feeding tube. They want her to be believed. All right. So here's Maddie's mom giving testimony. All three of her kids volunteered and were excited to participate in the trial. Everybody helped us all return to one. My husband works in the medical field and I have a degree in electrical engineering. We are pro-vaccine and pro-science, which is why we agree to let Maddie and her two older brothers volunteer for the trial. 
she developed severe abdominal chest pain. And the way she described the chest pain, and I quote, it feels like my heart is being ripped out through my neck. And eventually, she had to have an NG tube put in to get the nutrition. All of these symptoms are still here today. Some of these are worse than others. Over the past five months, Maddie has been to the ER nine times and has been hospitalized three times for a total of two months in the hospital. When I want to ask, I mean, Maddie, volunteer for the Pfizer trial. Why? Why aren't they researching her to figure out? Why did not So other people don't have to go through this. Instead, they're just sick as mental. All we want is for Maddie to be seen, heard, and believed, because she is not them. And we want her to get the care she desperately needs so that she can go back to normal. Why is she not back to normal? She was totally fine before this. She did the right thing, tried to help everybody else, and they're not helping her. You got that? I apologize for the um, for the nature of the audio. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Maddie's mother was very emotional, and uh, nobody instructed her to get closer to the microphone. But um, as Robert F. Kennedy Jr. said, she's going to have this feeding tube and be in a wheelchair the rest of her life. Now, Art Moore over at WorldNet Daily has an article from the other day, Columbia Study. True U.S. COVID vaccine death count is 400,000. Subtitle, other estimates of underreporting on CDC's VAERS site much higher. VAERS, of course, standing for Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System. And he says the CDC's latest count of deaths attributed to COVID-19 vaccines is nearly 20,000. But a study by researchers at Columbia University estimates... The actual number is 20 times higher. The Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System, or VAERS, reports 19,886 deaths, almost 103,000 hospitalizations, and a total of over 946,000 adverse events due to COVID-19 vaccines through December 3rd of this year. He says if... The Columbia study's underreporting factor is correct. It would mean that there are nearly 400,000 deaths due to COVID-19 vaccines. And then he has a tweet from Dr. Robert Malone, who, of course, has been suspended by Twitter for telling the truth. COVID vaccination and age-stratified all-cause mortality risk suggests the risks of COVID vaccines and boosters outweigh the benefits in children, young adults, and older adults with low occupational risk or previous coronavirus exposure. Links to the article, COVID vaccination and age-stratified all-cause mortality risk over at ResearchGate. From Spiro Pantazatis, Columbia University. But the article continues, in the study's abstract, the researchers note that 
Accurate estimates of COVID vaccine-induced severe adverse event and death rates are critical for risk-benefit ratio analyses of vaccination and boosters against SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus in different age groups. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services points out that a VAERS report is not documentation that a link has been established between a vaccine and an adverse event. However, HHS also notes that VAERS is a passive system of reporting, and it receives reports for only a small fraction of actual adverse events. Many healthcare workers have disclosed they are instructed by their superiors not to report to the vaccine adverse event reporting system any harm caused by COVID vaccines. VAERS is described as a voluntary reporting system, but HHS says healthcare providers who administer COVID-19 vaccines are required by law after vaccination to report to VAERS. Any errors in administering the shots along with among other things, death and life-threatening adverse events. Wait, 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 wait. How can they be required by law if it's a voluntary reporting system? I mean, it's one or the other, right? And we know that a lot of these events are not being reported, right? And nobody's being prosecuted for not reporting, right? Anyway, the Columbia researchers' method of estimating underreporting was to use the regional variation in vaccination rates to predict all-cause mortality and non-COVID deaths in subsequent time periods based on two independent publicly available data sets from the U.S. and Europe. They found that more than six weeks after injection, vaccination had a negative correlation with mortality. But within five weeks of injection, vaccination predicted all-cause mortality in nearly every age group with an age-related temporal pattern consistent with the U.S. vaccine rollout. Comparing the study's estimated vaccine fatality rate with the CDC-reported rate, the researchers concluded that VAERS death are underreported by a factor of 20, which is consistent with known VAERS under-ascertainment bias. The researchers said the study suggests the risks of COVID vaccines and boosters outweigh the benefits in children, young adults, and even older adults with low occupational risk or previous coronavirus exposure. They emphasize the urgent need to identify, develop, and disseminate diagnostics and treatments for life-altering vaccine injuries. A decade before COVID-19, the so-called Lazarus study by Harvard researchers estimated at that time the vaccine adverse event reporting system accounted for only 1% of vaccine-induced injuries. Recently, Steve Kirsch, executive director of the Vaccine Safety Research Foundation, and others conducted an analysis comparing anaphylaxis rates published in a study to rates found in the vaccine adverse event reporting system. They concluded the true death toll from COVID-19 vaccines is 41 times higher. The website VAERS Analysis used whistleblower data from the CMS, Centers for, uh, Centers for Medical, pardon me, Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services to come up with an estimated underreporting factor of over 44.5. Good grief. 
Files obtained from the Food and Drug Administration in November through a Freedom of Information lawsuit recorded almost 159,000 adverse events from the Pfizer vaccine in the first two and a half months of distribution, including almost 26,000 incidents of nervous system disorders. The lawsuit was filed by a group called Public Health and Medical Professionals for Transparency, comprised of more than 30 professors and scientists from universities including Yale, Harvard, UCLA, and Brown. As World Net Daily reported, in court papers filed in December, the FDA proposed that it be given 55 years to release all 329,000 pages of documents related to the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine requested by the group. The FDA has now modified the request, asking a judge for a delay of 75 years. One of the scientists in the lawsuit is Dr. Peter McCullough, who has become an outspoken critic of universal COVID-19 vaccination. In a recent lengthy interview with podcaster Joe Rogan, you, you may have heard of him, Joe Rogan, Dr. McCullough cited a study conducted before COVID by Dr. H. Cody Meissner of Tufts University School of Medicine, finding that about 80% of VAERS reports are done by doctors, nurses, or other healthcare professionals who believe a vaccine caused the problem. Only about 14 or 15% of the reports are done by the patients themselves. Dr. McCullough believes CMS data indicates VAERS underreports by a factor of about four or five. With the CMS data, he said, you know when someone got the shot and you know when they died. The proportion of Medicare and Medicaid patients in the U.S. population is known, he reasons, so an estimate can be obtained through extrapolation. A factor of five was used in the lawsuit against the FDA, estimating 45,000 U.S. deaths due to COVID-19 vaccines, while VAERS reported 9,000 at the time the case was filed. Well, but of course, of course there's more. And let me get to it. I've just been saving things and emailing myself things. Emerald Robinson, who until recently was the wonderful White House correspondent for Newsmax, but she started spitting out a little bit too much truth for Newsmax. So they ditched her. So she writes over at Substack. And here's something she came out with a couple of days ago. Article entire, entitled, Get Ready for the Pandemic of the Vaccinated. Subtitle, a new study shows the more people get vaccinated, the higher the cases of COVID. Really? Does that surprise you? She said, did you know that one of the most famous soccer players in the world, the Argentine star Sergio Aguero, suddenly retired last week because of a heart condition that only appeared once he was vaccinated at the ripe old age of 33 years old. Did you know that 10,000 people have died in South Korea shortly after being vaccinated? And, and she provides the links. Did you know that a U.S. Navy warship had to remain docked in port when COVID broke out 
among the crew who were 100% fully vaccinated. That's right. COVID doesn't care that 100% of the sailors were immunized against it. Did you know that a New York Times editor suddenly died after getting the booster? Of course, it's obvious to everyone that the rushed vaccination plan pushed by big pharma and big government around the world, Operation Warp Speed, you can hear some fat American lobbyists saying gleefully every night on cable TV, is a colossal failure of world historic proportions. You're just not allowed to say it out loud. It's a thought crime. You're not supposed to notice as healthy, world-class athletes clutch their chests and collapse on field like Christian Eriksen of Inter Milan's soccer team or Manchester United's Victor Lindelof or Napoli's Piotr Zielinski or Martin Terrier of the Rennes team or partisan Belgrade's Ricardo Gomez. It's totally normal for five runners to collapse at one marathon in Taiwan and for three of them to require CPR to be resuscitated. How dare you notice? If you're stupid enough to watch a video supercut of 75 athletes collapsing while corporate media drones repeat that the cause is unknown and yet don't believe this non-explanation, then, hey, that's your failure as a very serious person. Only conspiracy theorists would question the safety and effectiveness of a gene therapy made available by an emergency use authorization that waived all the standard testing and protocols. Trust the science is the only thing that America's media morons can say from their big pharma-subsidized purchase on corporate news as the body count rises. It's safe and effective. Do it to protect your community. Thank goodness you were vaccinated when you were hospitalized with COVID or things could have been worse. The problem with all of these sales pitches masquerading as public health policy is that they're not true. In fact, a new study of the pandemic data from 68 countries has found that increases in COVID-19 are unrelated to levels of vaccination. In other words, the new vaccines are a complete failure. But wait, it gets worse. At the country level, there appears to be no discernible relationship between percentage of population fully vaccinated and new COVID-19 cases in the last seven days. In fact, the trend line suggests a marginally positive association such that countries with higher percentage of population fully vaccinated have higher COVID-19 cases per 1 million people. Notably, Israel, with over 60% of their population fully vaccinated, had the highest COVID-19 cases per 1 million people in the last seven days. The lack of a meaningful association between percentage population fully vaccinated and new COVID-19 cases is further exemplified, for example, by comparison of Iceland and Portugal. Both countries have over 75% of their population fully vaccinated and have more COVID-19 cases for 1 million people than countries such as Vietnam and South Africa that have around only 10% of their populations 
fully vaccinated. Really? How about that? And she links to an article from the European Journal of Epidemiologists from back in September 30th. Increases of COVID-19 are unrelated to levels of vaccination across 68 countries and 2,947 counties in the U.S. Emerald Robinson continues, she says, there's not a single media outlet in America that will quote the following line, quote, the trend line suggests a marginally positive association such that countries with higher percentage of population fully vaccinated have higher COVID-19 cases per 1 million people, unquote. No, they won't. I was watching a little bit of Fox News this morning trying to get ready for the show, eating a little bit of breakfast, and Trace Gallagher on, on there talking about how people are just freaking out because uh, because COVID case rates are going up. They don't talk about deaths. COVID case rates. you got people freaking out, waiting in line for hours in the bitter cold with no symptoms to test whether they had COVID or not. People are crazy. They need to snap out of it. Anyway, back to Emerald Robinson after I digressed. She says the more people get vaccinated, the higher the cases of COVID. New data from Denmark also suggests that the Omicron variant prefers to infect the vaccinated. According to Alex Berenson, this new data tells us, and by the way, Alex Berenson is a guy, former New York Times reporter who's been trying to raise the alarm on this for over a year now. According to Alex Berenson, this new data tells us more than 76% of non-Omicron COVID infections in Denmark are vaccinated people, along with about 90% of Omicron infections. That suggests another thought crime that no one can say out loud yet, which is the vaccines are making things worse. Get ready. The pandemic of the vaccinated is here. How many people will die prematurely before any of the facts can be reported publicly? According to Steve Kirsch, at least 150,000 people have already died from taking the COVID vaccines. The number, incredibly, does not even include vaccine injuries. How is such a global public health policy disaster even possible? You're also not supposed to notice that an Australian politician named Clive Palmer made the most explosive statement at a press conference September 14th in the history of explosive press conference. What did he allege? Nothing less than a vast conspiracy related to vaccines and big pharma. Australian politician Clive Palmer explained how lobbyists for Big Pharma were paying for the new vaccines to be pushed in Australia by the elected government. Palmer was asked by reporters in attendance why Australian politicians would want to lock down their own citizens and destroy their own economy. His response should have been headline news around the world for months. But it wasn't. Palmer claimed that the Prime Minister of New South Wales was being directed by a lobbyist in Sydney, Australia, who's being paid by AstraZeneca and Pfizer tens of millions of dollars to get these policies through 
to make sure the vaccine is pushed. The leader of New South Wales, Gladys Berejiklian, resigned her position in government two two weeks later while she was under investigation by the state's corruption watchdog. All right, let's see... um, Let's see if we can get this uh, about a minute, 26 second clip from this tweet from uh, Australian politician Clive Palmer. Let's see if it'll play for us. And I I hope we won't have to uh, translate it from Australian into American English, but uh, here goes nothing. Their Premier's telling them that the only way out is a double jab, and that's what they've been told. Yeah, I'd say their Premier's lying to them. I'd say that she's under an IPAC inquiry, that a particular lobbyist in Sydney controls the Liberal Party in Sydney and has told her that the only way she gets out of that inquiry is if she pushes the double jab, and his clients are AstraZeneca, and his clients are yeah, Pfizer. That, that's what I'd say. What about the business owner that's no, been uh, told he can't open his doors until he If you let me answer your question, I'll, I'll answer it. You're just answering no, the IPAC no, controls no, that's what politics. I, you are. You asked me. About yeah. people that are trying to open their businesses, people that yeah. have been told well, that it's hard, they have to double Well, if you don't want me to answer the question, you know, I'll answer the question to start with. That's what I'd tell them, and I'd say that what the Premier's telling them is not true and that that policy, should, they shouldn't be locked down, businesses should be open, and the, go- and the government's using this as an excuse to destroy them. And that's, they know that. Do you, that, think do, they, do you think that the Premier of New South Wales wants to destroy business? I do. And, and, why, why would she do that? Because it's economy. Because she's, as I tried to explain to you, that she's being directed by a lobbyist in Sydney who's being paid by AstraZeneca and by Pfizer tens of millions of dollars to get these policies through to make sure the vaccine is, is pushed. That's why. You asked the question, I gave you the answer. And that's my personal knowledge. And I'm happy to make a statement here to police or to anyone if they want to know what's going on. Well, that's all. Uh, well, I'll be doing that, but they'll be. How about that? How about that? And uh, Emerald Robinson links to the uh, complete statement, the complete Clive Palmer press conference, freedom of choice, important information for all Australians, that would say everybody in the world, over the United Australia Party YouTube channel, but it's over 16 minutes long, so we're, we're not going to play the whole thing. But she says the immediate questions that people should be asking are perfectly obvious. Do you think this conspiracy happened only in Australia? Now remember, he made the allegation, and two weeks later, the head of that whole state over there, New South Wales, you know, Australia's divided up into states just like the U.S. is. She resigned her position of government two weeks later while she's under investigation by the state's corruption watchdog. Again, for being paid by lobbyists for AstraZeneca and Pfizer tens of millions of dollars to push the vaccines, to mandate them. The immediate questions, Emerald Robinson, God bless her, says that people should be asking are perfectly obvious. Do you think this conspiracy happened only in Australia? Do you think the vaccines are somehow making the COVID variants worse? Are the vaccinated going to get sick 
and die in large numbers while the unvaccinated are blamed for it. Lockdowns, vaccine mandates, travel restrictions, job restrictions, none of this stuff worked in 2020, and yet it's all on the menu again as 2021 comes to a close. Our corrupt elites just can't stop pushing the Great Reset. Are we about to enter a very dark winter in the Democratic West? And again, remember, Robert F. Kennedy's book, The Great, pardon me, Robert F. Kennedy's book, The Real Anthony Fauci. Yeah, you might want to get a hold of that. You might want to get a hold of that. Now, if I share Emerald Robinson's article on my Facebook page, will I get suspended? Will I get banned? Very well could. Very well could, but I, uh, I'm long past being concerned about what big tech or even the government plans to do to me based on me getting the truth out there. If I was concerned about that, I guess I'd probably still have my job at Cumulus Media. I would have taken the jab and just hoped for the best, right? Nope. Wouldn't do it. Wouldn't do it. So it really shouldn't come as a shock to you that the government lies to us, especially when you think about the fact they called Obamacare the Affordable Care Act when they ran it down our throats in 2009. So let me ask you, did Obamacare, the so-called Affordable Care Act, make your health care more expensive? Does your health insurance premium feel like a second mortgage? Does your sky-high deductible prevent you from going to the doctor? Do your sky-high co-pays keep you from going to the doctor? If you answered yes to any of these questions, the website you need to go to is called MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. Dot com. You click on it, the home page has the big bold letters, affordable plans. Save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no copays. Great deal, right? Well, you click the button that says schedule call now. You click that button, schedule call now on myfamilyhealthplan.com. And my buddy, Art Wilborn, gives you a free consultation. He makes sure there are no gaps in your coverage. And a wonderful thing, unlike a lot of the Obamacare plans, you won't be forced to cover things like abortion or gender reassignment surgery or whatever that violates your deeply held religious beliefs. Art Wilborn's a good guy. His website is a great way to save money on your health insurance. MyFamilyHealthPlan.com Affordable plans, save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no co-pays. Go to MyFamilyHealthPlan.com, book a free consultation. Art Wilborn will make sure there are no gaps in your coverage. Save money on your insurance at MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. You'll be glad you did. All right. 
There's more. Oh, I've 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 got more. And um, <clears throat> let's check out Rand Paul. Let's check out Rand Paul. Rand Paul pins blame for thousands of monthly COVID deaths on Fauci over long-standing biases. Subtitle: Paul says Fauci has a long history of bias toward vaccines. Well, let's check this out. Now, if I click, yeah, we're going to have a commercial first. And then after the commercial, see, I'm not going to play the, the commercial from, from Fox. All right, here we go. Here's what he wrote at foxnews.com. He said, Biden Fauci assumed the worst with Omicron instead of making rational scientific decisions. Senator Rand Paul, a doctor himself, is with me now. Sir, nice to see you. Good morning. Make your Good case. Morning. Well, why, Good morning. Why do you think they jumped the gun on this? Well, this shouldn't surprise any of us. I think uh, Dr. Fauci routinely ignores the science and causes hysteria and creates fear. And this is the opposite of what you really want as far as someone leading your public health effort. Um, the Omicron variant, the doctor who discovered it, uh, we should be proud of her in South Africa. She dutifully reported it, discovered it was a new variant. And she wrote an op-ed yesterday as well. And in the op-ed, she said that so far no one's been hospitalized in South Africa. So far no one's died from this disease and that it's an hysterical overreach to ban travel. We're also banning travel after we now have found this in over 20 states in our country. It's in 40 different countries. So you're banning travel, which will destroy economically tourism and travel and have great uh, hardship for the world, but you're doing it for something that's not scientifically sound. It's not going to do anything to stop the spread of this variant. The variant's already out there. We also don't know yet will it be more deadly or less deadly. The initial report what we know so far is it looks like it'll be less deadly. We'll know more in about two weeks, but that's when we would uh, think we might want to make some decisions after we know the facts rather than before. Uh, you make some good points here. You say rather than freaking out, we should take the next week or two to see what comes of it. So, what do you think about that? What do you think about that? Senator Rand Paul, who's also a physician, said in an interview on the Ron Paul Liberty Report published earlier this week, he said, I would venture to say that thousands of people die in our country every month now from COVID because Fauci's de-emphasized the idea that there are therapeutics. Dr. Rand Paul explained that Fauci has a long history of a bias toward vaccines stretching back to his work on AIDS. In the interview with his father, former Texas Representative Ron Paul, Rand Paul said, I think Fauci is of the philosophy that vaccines are incredibly successful and are the way to go versus therapeutics, for example. So with regard to AIDS, he was involved. As the AIDS epidemic came up, he wanted to develop a vaccine. There's nothing wrong with that. He wanted to develop a vaccine. Vaccines can be great for polio or smallpox. Wonderful. It didn't actually work for AIDS. Rand Paul has previously said that monoclonal antibodies are one of the most promising treatments for the virus. 
after a person has been infected, but that misinformation on the antibody treatment plagues government bureaucrats. In an op-ed in the Lexington, Kentucky Herald Leader newspaper in September, Rand Paul said, and I quote, recent data showed that monoclonal antibody treatment cuts the risk of death and hospitalization by 70% in high-risk patients and reduces the chance of infection among a household by 80%. Monoclonal antibodies have only just begun to be mentioned by the mainstream media, and misinformation still plagues government bureaucrats when discussing this scientifically-backed treatment. Dr. Fauci has previously noted that monoclonal antibodies are a much underutilized intervention for COVID-19, but such therapies are often dwarfed by his focus on vaccines. Just on Monday, the nation's top infectious disease expert floated implementing a federal requirement for vaccines for domestic flights in order to increase the number of vaccinated people in the U.S. Did you hear that? Fauci was on MSNBC Monday of this week saying, that's another incentive that uh, to get more people vaccinated. If you want to do that with domestic flights, I think that's something that seriously should be considered. Rand Paul, Anthony Fauci, have long sparred over the handling of the pandemic. And Dr. Paul has accused Dr. Fauci of lying about the effectiveness of natural immunity because it, quote, foils his plans to get everybody possible vaccinated, unquote. Rand Paul said on Fox Business Network's Larry Kudlow show back in October, the reason Fauci won't bring up natural immunity is because it foils his plans to get everybody possible vaccinated. He thinks it might slow down vaccination, and I'm for people getting vaccinated, particularly people at risk. But the thing is, if you ignore naturally acquired immunity, then you're saying we don't have enough people. You have to force it on younger people. You know, it's really outrageous that in all the years Fauci has been the head of the National Institutes of Health, nobody fired him. Reagan didn't fire him. The first Bush didn't fire him. Clinton didn't fire him. The second Bush didn't fire him. Obama didn't fire him. Trump didn't fire him, and Biden for sure is not going to fire him. But, you know, Biden doesn't know what's going on anyway. I mean, you know that. I mean, if you listen to the Doc Washburn show, you know that Biden has no idea what's going on. Oh, this is good. Got a... <laughs> Got a quote from somebody here on the uh, listen on the Podbean app. Uh, Joel David Media Network says they act like they're scared of this jackass. Sh- shaking my head and ooh, talking about Biden. Yeah, he's too busy eating tapioca pudding. Yeah, I try to uh, I try to bring you the stuff that nobody else is going to bring you because. Uh, Again, I don't ever want you to say, well, Doc, why didn't you tell us? Why didn't you warn us? Martin Walsh over the conservative brief. 
New article out, Americans are fed up. Amazon's number one nonfiction book is Brutal Expose of Fauci. This is the book I referred to you to earlier. It says, it certainly appears more and more Americans are fed up with Dr. Anthony Fauci. A brand new book by Robert F. Kennedy Jr. was not only on Amazon's nonfiction bestseller list for the week of Christmas, which began on December 19th, but was the number one book on Amazon's top sellers. The book entitled The Real Dr. Anthony Fauci, Bill Gates, Big Pharma, and the Global War on Democracy and Public Health, confronts the depiction of Fauci as a hero by the pharma-funded mainstream media, which Robert F. Kennedy Jr. argues he is anything but, according to the publisher's description. Yeah, talk about the pharma-funded mainstream media. Do you realize the other day CNN announced that uh, the CEO of Pfizer was like their man of the year? Anyway, the publisher describing Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s book about Fauci says, as director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, Dr. Anthony Fauci dispenses $6.1 billion dollars an annual taxpayer-provided funding for scientific research, allowing him to dictate the subject, content, and outcome of scientific health research across the globe. The book says Fauci uses the financial clout at his disposal to wield extraordinary influence over hospitals, universities, journals, and thousands of influential doctors and scientists whose careers and institutions he has the power to ruin, advance, or reward. The author's findings will alarm every American, Democrat, or Republican who cares about democracy, our Constitution, and the future of our children's health. The book description explains Fauci orchestrated fraudulent studies and then pressured the FDA regulators into approving a deadly chemotherapy treatment he had good good reason to know was worthless against AIDS. Fauci repeatedly violated federal laws to allow his pharma partners to use impoverished and dark-skinned children as lab rats in deadly experiments with toxic AIDS and cancer chemotherapies. Who's a racist now, huh? The book also looks at Fauci's history of partnering with billionaire Bill Gates to control an increasingly profitable global vaccine initiative in crooked collusion with elected officials, news media, and social media to establish the Pharma-Fauci-Gates Alliance, which exercises dominion over global health policy. The Real Anthony Fauci book by Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Details how Fauci, Gates, and their cohorts use their control of media outlets, scientific journals, key government and quasi-governmental agencies, global intelligence agencies, and influential scientists and physicians to flood the public with fearful propaganda about COVID-19 virulence and pathogenesis and to muzzle debate and ruthlessly censor dissent. Fauci came under fire earlier this month after he tried moving the goalposts again during an interview on CNN. Fauci said he anticipates 
the definition of being fully vaccinated against COVID-19 will change. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention website, the definition of full vaccination involves receiving two doses of the Pfizer vaccine, two doses of the Moderna vaccine, or one dose of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Fauci seems to suggest that the definition may change again. Did you hear about that? Earlier this month on CNN? Yeah, the CNN person says, Pfizer's chief scientific officer said this morning on CNN that he thinks fully vaccinated against Omicron, it means three doses. So do you think the definition of fully vaccinated should now change? Fauci responds, well, you know, as you say, it's a technical, almost semantic definition. And it is the definition for requirements. If someone says, are you fully vaccinated to be able to attend class in a university or college or be able to work in a workplace? Right now, Kate, I don't, think, I don't see that changing tomorrow or this week or next week. But certainly, if you want to talk about optimal protection, is I don't think anyone would argue that optimal protection is going to be with a third shot. Whether or not it officially gets changed in the definition, I think that's going to be considered literally on a daily basis. That's always on the table. You know, when you think about what he just said, it sounds like it's almost not about the science after all. I mean, it goes on and on and on, but I'm not going to beat that to death. Americans are fed up. Amazon's number one nonfiction book is Brutal Expose of Fauci. Yeah, it is. And yes, we are. And yes, we are. So now, the World Health Organization is blasting the idea of additional jabs No country can boost its way out of the pandemic. The World Health Organization? Seriously? Oh, my goodness. By the way, before I continue, um, so if you're within a day's drive in Little Rock, Arkansas, uh, there's something you're going to want to think about attending. And I'll post it on my Facebook page and see if they take it down. The Global COVID Summit, Little Rock. And that is going to be Saturday, January 8th. Dr. Richard Urso, Dr. Kat Lindley, Dr. Heather Gessling, Dr. Ryan Cole, Dr. Kirk Milhone, Dr. Amy Bird, pardon me, Dr. Amy Beard. The truth about COVID, early treatment, vaccines, governmental influence, truth, courage, unassailable evidence, action steps. And it's going to be at the Apostolic Church 
4314 Landers Road in North Little Rock. Now, if you're listening to the podcast after the fact, you can go to my website and I'll have the link there. Not my website, my uh, my Facebook page. If you're listening live, I'll just tell you a little bit more about it. Saturday, January 8th, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Doors open at 8.30 a.m. Global COVID Summit Little Rock. And tickets are going to be $30 a piece. Not much for an all-day thing to get the truth. So online registration is uh, is strongly encouraged. And if you'd like to be one of the 50 people who gets to have a VIP dinner with the uh, doctors, uh, that's a $90 additional charge. But again, unassailable evidence, truth, courage, action steps, join physicians, scientists, and frontline professionals to share insights and analyze findings regarding COVID-19 treatment and care. You'll be armed with truth to bring home to discuss with your, to, to discuss with your families. Global COVID Summit Little Rock. I'll have it on my Facebook page a little bit later. If you want to I'll look for it right now, globalcovidsummit.org is where you look for it. All right. Um, and we'll try to interview some of the people who are going to be there sometime between now and Saturday, January 8th on the Doc Washburn Show. So Leah Barkukas over at townhall.com has the article, World Health Organization. Blast additional jabs. Quote, no country can boost its way out of the pandemic, unquote. Really? The World Health Organization criticized the rollout of booster programs as many poor nations haven't even gotten first doses yet and warned that more variants have the potential to develop under these conditions. World Health Organization Director General Tedros Adhanom Gabriasis says blanket booster programs are likely to prolong the pandemic rather than ending it by diverting supply to countries that already have high levels of vaccination coverage, giving the virus more opportunity to spread and mutate. No country can boost its way out of the pandemic. Well, now you tell us. Sure could have fooled me. Because the Biden regime and our CDC and our NIH and our FDA are sure acting like you could boost your way out of the pandemic. But the World Health Organization says, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. Really? Really? What a shock that would be. Uh, the boosters maybe make things worse, huh? Really? Let's uh, let's think about um, Fauci, Lloyd Billingsley over front page 
mag.com came out with an article the other day called American Mingala. Now remember Laura Logan, the great Laura Logan, investigative journalist. Uh, she was suspended by Fox for trying to compare Fauci with Dr. Mingala, Dr. Joseph Mingala. the angel of death under Hitler's Nazi regime. Why, why, why did Fox suspend her? Well, I guess here's the deal. Here's the deal. They're compromised. They're compromised. You know, somebody who does what I do, sitting here doing a, a daily podcast slash live stream, you know, it can be a springboard to fame and fortune. I mean, uh, Dan Bongino, God bless him. I love Dan Bongino. He's been very nice to me. But he started off with a podcast, right? A lot of people start off with a podcast um, with the hopes of getting onto Fox News or something like that. So I'm not doing myself any favors when I tell you the truth about Fox News or Newsmax, for that matter. But I'm just not going to sugarcoat it. I'm just not. Lloyd Billingsley, frontpagemag.com, American Mingala. Subtitle, Inside the Haunting World of Fauci's Cruel Experiments on Children. Here's what he says. The Real Anthony Fauci, Bill Gates, Big Pharma, and the Global War on Democracy and Public Health by Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is topping sales charts. To expose Fauci's cruel experiments with children, Kennedy cites the BBC's 2004 documentary, Guinea Pig Kids. This documentary is again under attack, and that in itself invites a review. Since 1984... Dr. Anthony Fauci has headed the National Institute for Allergy and Infectious Diseases, a division of the National Institutes of Health. In 1992, Fauci's NIAID provided funding for the Incarnation Children's Center in New York as an outpatient clinic for HIV-positive children. The city's administration for children's services offered up children under its care, nearly all of them African-American or Hispanic, for secretive drug experiment, experimentation. As biochemist Dr. David Rasnick explains, children as young as three months old were given cocktails of drugs with dangerous side effects. I told you Fauci belonged to jail. Did, did I tell you? Yeah. Dr. Rasnick described... Uh, I know I'm going to mispronounce the name of this drug, but uh, didanosine, didanosine is very dangerous, and nevirapine as dangerous and debilitating, horrible, horrible and painful, and also lethal. The children were also given zidofdine, another name for AZT. This drug has never been shown to be life-saving, and it also causes severe anemia. As Dr. Rasnick told, again, down to three months old. As Dr. Rasnick told the BBC for their documentary, these children are going to be miserable, and they were, writhing in agony and unable to eat. 
They resisted. Doctors cut a hole in their belly to administer the drugs. As one victim testifies of the practice, if you want to get out of there, you have to do what they say. The BBC found medical records confirming the experiments. Have I mentioned that Dr. Anthony Fauci is aptly compared to Mengele and belongs in prison for the rest of his life? A nurse at the Incarnation Children's Center in New York named Jacqueline Holger was ordered to give kids regular and sometimes large doses of AZT. Nurse Horger adopted two of the girls whose health improved when she stopped the drug treatment. Remarkable, isn't it? New York City's Administration for Children's Services then seized the children that the nurse had adopted and put them back on the anti-HIV drugs. In 2004, Ms. Horger had no idea where they might be, but she knew that some 80 children had died in the experiments and saw the mass grave in Hawthorne, New York. Have I mentioned how horrible Dr. Fauci is and he belongs under the prison? Sounds like he's a murderer to me. The uh, BBC documentary Guinea Pig Kids came under immediate attack, but critics steered clear of many facts cited in the documentary. The main problem was, quote, the views of AIDS denialists who don't believe that the HIV virus causes AIDS, unquote. The only such person in the documentary was Dr. Rasnick, and critics did not challenge his views on drugs such as AZT, and the harm the drugs had inflicted on the children. In similar style, critics did not explain why Dr. Rasnick, who earned a Ph.D. in chemistry from Georgia Tech, believes that HIV does not cause AIDS. What did the science say? UC Berkeley molecular biologist Peter Duisberg set forth the case in Inventing the AIDS Virus. With a foreword, from Nobel laureate Kerry Mullis, inventor of the polymerase chain reaction, the PCR technique. I talk about Dr. Mullis frequently. Dr. Mullis, who earned a Ph.D. in biochemistry at UC Berkeley, could not find a single virologist who could show HIV as a cause of AIDS. If you ask a virologist for that information, Mullis said, you don't get an answer, you get fury. Mullis also charged that Dr. Fauci doesn't understand electron microscopy and actually doesn't even understand medicine. Yeah. Yeah. He said he should not be in a position like he's in. But he was, and he is. As Duisburg, UC Berkeley molecular biologist Peter Duisburg noted, AZT was marketed under the names Zytovudine or Retrovir. The drug has toxic effects, but in the summer of 1989, Anthony Fauci announced clinical trials of AZT on pregnant mothers with HIV. As Dr. Duesberg explained, 
A drug that interferes with growth can lead only to physical deformities in babies developing in the womb. That observation did not prevent Fauci from authorizing drug experiments on children in New York. Shades of thalidomide, huh? Fauci acolytes now claim it is inaccurate that the New York deaths were caused by the trial medication. They also say it cannot be determined if Anthony Fauci personally chose to provide NIAID funds to those clinical trials. Since Fauci runs the NIAID, the claim is laughable. Now, in October, a piece from Snopes cited a BBC apology for guinea pig kids in which the network claimed, quote, it did not properly investigate the claims and the medical opinions expressed in the documentary largely relied on an advocate for the fringe of false idea that HIV is unconnected with AIDS, unquote. Now, the thoroughly debunked liberal website Snopes did not engage in any debate on the cause of AIDS and failed to challenge Dr. Rasnick's warnings on the dangers of AZT and other drugs with children and adults alike. Uh, you want to read further on it? There's a book called uh, Poison by Prescription, the AZT Story by John Lawrence with a foreword by Dr. Peter Duesberg. Filmmaker Jamie Duran told Nature Medicine that, quote, my only interest was investigating the very legitimate story of how vulnerable black and Hispanic foster children as young as three months old were being volunteered by the New York City authorities for drug trials. Unquote. The Snopes report concedes that some children were, in fact, enrolled without proper consent. Oh, okay, good. Snopes. By the way, I apologize for cursing. By saying the word Snopes. Oh, there I did it again. Snopes also cites a 2009 New York Times report that 64 children participated in 30 medication trials that were not reviewed by a special medical advisory board, uh, medical advisory panel, and 21 children participated in trials that the panel had reviewed but not recommended. In addition, the informed consent forms from biological parents or guardians were missing from the child welfare files in 21% of the cases. Snopes includes no apology from the officials involved, and none of the improprieties appeared to trouble the NIAID boss, Fauci, who funded the so-called trials of children. You know, Anthony Fauci earned a medical degree in 1966, but his bio shows no advanced degrees in biochemistry or molecular biology. Dr. Fauci has reversed himself. He's reversed himself many times, but he now now claims, I represent science. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. calls Fauci the J. Edgar Hoover of public health, but there's more in play here than corruption and longevity. That is, that is, that is a good analogy. I was thinking about that the other day. Fauci's had this job for 37 years. Who in federal government has had a job that long? Well, the former FBI director, J. Edgar Hoover, who blackmailed so many people. But anyway, in 2014, Valerie Leiter and Sarah Herman of Simmons College 
found similarities between the NIAID-backed drug experiments and the syphilis study at Tuskegee University in Alabama. When individuals' bodies were used to satisfy researchers' curiosity with no anticipated clinical benefit. Since most of those recruited were African Americans, the authors branded the New York case a modern Tuskegee. You know, the Tuskegee syphilis study, if you're not familiar, back in the 1930s, I believe it was, when Franklin Delano Roosevelt was president, there was a medical study done on um, of black fellows who suffered from syphilis in Tuskegee. And they're, instead of being given the cure, they're given a placebo to see how it affected them, to allow them to continue to linger with the syphilis for decades. The um, Tuskegee syphilis study was not brought to a close until then President Richard Nixon found out about it decades later, and he ordered it to halt. But this article here by Lloyd Billingsley about the American Mingala, Dr. Fauci, in frontpagemag.com says, other comparisons also come to mind. In a review of the RFK Jr. book, Thomas DiLorenzo cites Dr. Fauci's Dr. Mengele-style experiments, a reference that may be lost on some readers. Joseph Mengele earned a medical degree in 1938, the same year he joined the Nazis' Waffen-SS, where he volunteered for medical service. At Auschwitz, the concentration camp where so many people were murdered, Dr. Mengele performed agonizing and lethal experiments on Jewish and Gypsy twins, most of them children. In the real Anthony Fauci book, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. cites NIAID funding for experiments that locked the heads of beagle puppies into cages where they could be devoured by sandflies. Dr. Fauci also gave researchers at the University of Pittsburgh $400,000 to graft the scalps of aborted fetuses onto living mice and rats. The real Dr. Anthony Fauci Robert F. Kennedy Jr. concludes as a sociopath who has pushed science into the realms of sadism. And that's true. That's true. Kennedy also shows that by 2003, Fauci's NIAID was running more than 10,000 clinical trials involving children in 90 countries, so the Mengele comparison is not a stretch. Joseph Mengele escaped to South America and died in Brazil in 1979, in similar style, Anthony Fauci has never been called to account, and his power has grown to the point that Joe Biden says, quote, look who's president, Fauci. If children around the world are to be safe, the real Anthony Fauci will have to step down. If freedom and democracy are to, are to endure, America must put an end to Fauci's reign of white coat supremacy. And I would add white coat terror. Fauci is a terrorist who needs to be prosecuted for his crimes. 
He's got blood on his hands. He's responsible for many deaths, in my humble opinion. And you're entitled to it. Yeah, it's a it's a shame. It's a shame. Look at some of the uh the comments that we have here. Y'all might have Biden, but he pales in comparison to who we have in Canada, blackface Trudeau. Wow. Yeah, it's nuts in Canada. It says we're allowed only to have up to 10 people in our house during the holiday season. Also, you can't travel domestically within Canada on a plane or train unless you're vaccinated. That's crazy stuff, man. It's horrible. So, Doc, your take on Novavax once it gets approved, I I don't know about that yet. I guess I'll have to look into it. But there's there's a lot I'm trying to get to today. Because you deserve the truth and... um, Fauci was on some kind of a Zoom call podcast with uh, Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook in March of 2020. And of what I've shared with you about Fauci already doesn't shock you enough. Hasn't shocked you already then this should. Let's talk about some of the longer-term strategies for addressing this. That's the voice of Zuckerberg. Um, You mentioned the vaccine. There are conversations about other therapeutics. Um, Maybe talk for a minute about where are we in the vaccine development. You just announced uh, the first trial um, for phase one to test the safety. Um, What's what's the time frame for um, having something like that go through all of the different trials? Um, How could we expedite that? What should people expect on that? Okay, so if you look, I mean, to give the your, our viewers and listeners a perspective, if this were, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, and it was for any vaccine that we wanted to make, you would say a vaccine from the time you start to the time it's approved to be safe and effective is several years, five, six, seven years. Okay. What changed? That's unacceptable for now. Why is that with a virus of 99.8% survival rate? So what happened is that as soon as we got the sequence of the virus from the Chinese. Oh, so you trust the Chinese. You got the sequence of the virus from the Chinese. And, of course, you trust them. He said under oath he trusts the Chinese. We pulled it out of the public database and stuck the gene into a vaccine platform and worked on it literally within a day of when it came out. I see. Should be five, six, seven years, but no, that's not acceptable anymore. Oh, I see. 65 days later, namely two days ago, we gave the first injection to a normal volunteer for a phase one trial to see if it's safe. That's the fastest that's ever been done. That's the good news. The challenging news is that even at that rocket speed, it's going to take a few months to show that the initial safety is okay. 
Then you go into a phase two trial, which instead of involving 45 people, which we have in the phase one trial, it involves hundreds, if not thousands of people. That will take another six to eight months to even know if it works. So at the fastest we can go, it's going to take a year to a year and a half to know if we have a vaccine that we can use. Wait. It's going to take a year to a year and a half to know if we have a vaccine we can use? Uh, the math isn't adding up for me here. And that was March of 2020, right? So a year from March of 2020 would be March of 2021, right? And a year and a half for March of 2020 would be September of 2021, right? But they started vaccinating people in December of 2020. He said it would take a year to a year and a half to know it's safe and effective. But instead... In nine months, they started vaccinating people. Does that bother you? Bothers me. So apropos of the question you asked me a moment ago, that if we cycle to another season, that's when a vaccine is going to be very relevant. So one of the questions that I've heard from a number of people is, Doing the safety trials, obviously, is, is incredibly important because you want to make sure that you're not injecting people with something that, that could uh, be harmful. But once you have that, why not push harder on um, rolling it out more aggressively, even if you don't know exactly how effective it is? Um, you know, what's the public health rationale and, and thinking behind um, needing to prove that it's extremely effective before rolling out something that you know is, um, is, is safe? Once you do the safety trials which Fauci already said, take a year to a year and a half. So they shouldn't have been vaccinating people until at least March of this year, if not September of this year. But they didn't wait. Okay, that's a good question. The initial safety uh, study, Mark, is to see if I inject it in the arm, does it have some sort of idiosyncratic or bad reaction? There's another element to safety. And that is if you vaccinate someone and they make an antibody response and then they get exposed and infected, does the response that you induce actually enhance the infection and make it worse? Oh, well, does it? There's a lot of data out there suggesting that it does enhance and make it worse. A lot of fully vaccinated people getting COVID and getting really sick. Now, Biden says they're not, and Trump says they're not, but they are. Oh, my goodness. And the only way you'll know that is if you do an extended study, not in a normal volunteer who has no risk of infection, but in people who are out there in a risk situation. This would not be the first time 
if it happened, that a vaccine that looked good in initial safety actually made people worse. Oh! But you've been experimenting on small children for decades. You don't care, right? You don't care if people die. Clearly, you don't care if people die. Clearly. How many kids died in your AZT AIDS trials there? Anthony Tony Fouch Fouch, as Mark Levin calls him. I hope this is making you as upset as it's making me. There was the history of the respiratory syncytial virus vaccine in children, which paradoxically made the children worse. One of the HIV vaccines that we tested several years ago actually made individuals more likely to get infected. Yeah, but you forced them to take it, though. Foster children. Small, small people. Black and Hispanic foster children down to three months old. You forced them to take it. You are Mengele. You are America's Joseph Mengele, Fauci. You are. So you can't just go out there and give it unless you feel that in the field, when someone is getting infected and exposed, being vaccinated doesn't make them worse. You can't give it unless you feel it's not going to make them worse. Shivy, I thought we we're supposed to be going on science, not on feelings. Facts don't care about your feelings unless you feel something. No wonder Dr. Kerry Mullis said this guy doesn't know anything about medicine. That's why you got to do a trial. Yeah. That- but you didn't, did you? You didn't do the trial. You said the trial would take a year to a year and a half. Instead, nine months after you said it, you're vaccinating people. That's why you got to do a trial. But you didn't, did you? And, you know, you know what's going to happen politically. As more and more bad results come out from the vaccines, the Biden regime is going to do a 180. And they're going to try to hang this on Trump for uh, cutting the red tape and speeding things up at Operation Warp Speed. That's what's going to happen. I'm telling you. Trump's still out there saying the vaccines are completely safe and effective. No problems. Maybe nobody's told him. That's Yeah, that's important to, to get out there. Um, so with, with that context of, of these extended trial periods, even when you're doing heroic work to get these um, a vaccine candidate tested quickly. Um, one of the strategies that I've heard that I'm personally most optimistic about and that, um, you know, at our philanthropy, the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative, where um, we're, we're trying to help out with, is seeing if there are ways to test already approved um, compounds and drugs and therapeutics, things that have already gone through um, that, that cycle and have been proven to be safe um, and effective for, for fighting some disease, uh, to see whether any of those... Uh, compounds or drugs could be effective for either uh, preventing or treating the symptoms of, of this coronavirus. Uh, Fauci doesn't want to hear about therapeutics. He doesn't like therapeutics. He doesn't care. Ivermectin saved people, saves people's lives. 
wonder how much money he's got tied up in Pfizer stocks. So what do you yeah. think needs to happen in order to run through that process? I mean, I, I, I'm talking to a lot of scientists now who basically um, you know, all have hypotheses of compounds or, or things that they love to get tested. Um, what, do you, what would you like to see have happen there to prioritize which ones are the, are the most sure. optimistic? And, and what do you think about that strategy overall? Well, it's a great question because it's exactly happening, and I like the strategy. So there are a number of already approved drugs or drugs that have been developed but almost approved, not quite approved, that are now being looked at because of initial either in vitro or animal data work suggesting that they may be helpful. I'll give you some examples. There's a drug called remdesivir, which is a drug that was developed by Gilead as an antiviral. We tried it in Ebola. It didn't work as well as some of the other drugs, but it's there. What we're going to do now is there are clinical trials going on right now, both in China and in the United States, to see if it works. It's likely that one or more of these drugs, and there are several, are going to be out there to see an already developed drug if it can work. Another one is interesting. There's a lot of buzz on, on the... By the way, remdesivir has had horribly negative reactions. That's what everything I've read says. Didn't work against Ebola, but maybe it'll work against this. Come on, give me a break, man. On the Internet about this, and that is a drug called chloroquine or hydroxychloroquine, which is a drug that's been approved for decades. Very cheap. Yeah, it's the old used malaria. malaria. Yeah, used in malaria and used in certain autoimmune diseases like lupus, there's some indication in the test tube that it might have some activity. Boy, I tell you what, he changed his tune on that, didn't he? I'm trying to remember, was it once Trump took the hydroxychloroquine, Fauci tried to uh, downplay it? But again, this is March of 2020. The FDA said today that they are going to see if we can do some expanded use access, getting people who might want to use it off-label, namely since it's an approved drug. Off-label? You got state medical boards all over the place saying, oh, no, 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 we don't want to use uh, hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin off-label. Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, doctors prescribe stuff off-label all the time, but no, 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 no. So somebody got a somebody got too Fauci and got his mind right about talking about using hydroxychloroquine off-label. You know what I'm saying? So your point is extremely well taken. One of the immediate ways for treatment is to look at drugs that you want to repurpose. While you're doing that, you want to start developing drugs de novo that are specifically targeted to the coronavirus itself. Those things will go on simultaneously. So are there any other, uh, aside from the vaccine for prevention, and then some of these other drugs that may be good for prevention, but also could be good for treatment, so reducing some of the symptoms, the intensity, um, of the, the damage in the lungs, which could just reduce it from potentially being a, a, a very dangerous disease to something that could be more manageable. Um, what are the other long-term strategies that, that, that you see out there that, um, that you're optimistic about? 
Well, you know, I think the long-term strategy besides the drug, you have to go with trying to get a vaccine that's really effective. I mean, the history of viral diseases is that if we can get a vaccine, and, and I'm, I'm thinking in, in two channels, Mark, one, a vaccine for this specific coronavirus, but long-term, just think about it. Since 2002, we've had three outbreaks of coronaviruses. SARS, which I mentioned a moment ago, MERS, the Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, and now this novel coronavirus. We should be and are and will be making a universal corona vaccine, which means you can make a vaccine that would be protective against any kind of coronavirus if you get it to make a response that's common to all of them. The same sort of thing that we've been doing for the past couple of years, trying to develop a universal influenza vaccine. To me, that's the best long-term goal for this. Well, you know, I'm not going to put you through any more of that, but it just goes back to what uh, Rand Paul said. This guy believes in vaccines. He doesn't want to hear about therapeutics. You know? One of my commenters listening live on the Podbean app says um, they have to eliminate the control group now. That includes our children, which is criminal. Another commenter says it's all criminal. Dang, what the heck is going on with these people? Another commenter says if Fauci, but she uh, spells it Frouchy, that's fraud, didn't care about three-month-old babies dying from HIV drugs. He won't care about people dying from ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine being withheld from them to treat them when they contract COVID. Why does anybody believe a word this con artist and murderer says? Well, there's a lot of money behind it. Another commenter says here, the military is developing a so-called vaccination designed to work against all variants, but they're having a hard time finding a target group that hasn't been vaccinated or infected already. Another commenter says, I guess that's why I don't, that, let's see, I guess that's the why I don't get, I need money like everyone else, but I can't imagine hurting someone else, much less a child, to get some money. I just don't get it. Well, You know, we read in God's word that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. Enough. It's root of all kinds of evils. Yeah, it is. It really is. Some people... uh, Some people really have this compulsion. They have this compulsion to want to control other people. Like the woman on the plane from Tampa to Atlanta the other day who took her mask off, screaming at a guy sitting there eating and drinking without a mask on, insisting he put a mask on when she had taken her mask off. Right? You remember that? Slaps him, spits on him. She wanted to control him. 
she wanted to control him. You know, I, I guess it. I guess it's about that time all of a sudden. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com, the big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to online and then have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental United States, RedRiverYourWay.com. Now, today's tweet of the day is actually a thread from the great John Hayward over at Breitbart who says, It's incredible that anyone still places absolute faith in the American political elite or that anyone assumes government so-called experts are competent and impartial. Some people desperately need to believe they're ruled by the best and the brightest despite all evidence to the contrary. He says the quality of our political class and bureaucracy declined in tandem with the decline of faith in everything but the state. So much of our hunger for meaning, our deep need to believe, was redirected to the government, which grew steadily more arrogant and corrupt. Now we have generations of people who simply cannot handle the idea that the church of the state and its clergy, politicians, high officials, state-friendly media, are corrupt, incompetent, and unworthy of their trust. They're literally terrified to accept that obvious truth. Not even years of clumsy fumbling, corruption, and pure idiocy with the coronavirus, can shake the faith of the state's congregation. They have to keep believing, because losing faith would be terrifying, and they've been taught nothing outside the state is trustworthy. Most important, they were taught nothing outside the state is selfless. Everyone else is a liar. Everyone else is a cheat. Everyone else is a predator. Only politicians and government functionaries are truly selfless, impartial, compassionate, and pure. Only they truly care about you. You can see this demonstrated in limitless allowances people grant to their favorite politicians and government agencies for having good intentions, no matter how hideous their failures are. They really tried. Their noble efforts were probably thwarted by saboteurs. This boundless belief in the good intentions of status politicians and agents of the Leviathan state is simply faith, reflecting faith in the ideological mirror. We believe in you. So you must care about us. Together we'll find paradise one of these days. It's incredibly difficult for a sizable portion of the American population to accept the fact that their favorite politicians are every bit as greedy, selfish, and blockheaded as the worst evil corporate honchos. The even harder truth is that the politicians are worse than the worst evil corporate honchos. They're worse because power, privilege, and unlimited government spending insulate political fat cats from the forces that tend to improve political... Uh, that Pardon me. Take two, 
They're worse because power, privilege, and unlimited government spending insulates political fat cats from the forces that tend to improve private sector entities. Political elites live in a world where failure is rewarded, not punished. Their enterprises can never go bankrupt. How can anyone get past that obvious truth and keep believing statist political elites are men and women of surpassing virtue and towering intellect no matter how many times they get caught lying, cheating, stealing, and utterly failing at every scheme they force on us? Well, you got to have faith. Total, unwavering faith that winning elections will somehow sanctify and elevate politicians into saints. You can't let that faith slip the tiniest bit, no matter what, or reality will come crashing down like an avalanche to smash your worldview. That's why statists are so obsessed with credentials and awards. They're instruments of faith, shorthand ways of signaling this person, this agency, this publication deserves your faith. It's a way of making their faith seem scientific and quantifiable instead of irrational. What is faith in government if not the boundless belief in possibility? Never mind the string of trillion-dollar failures lying behind our ruling class. Just look at all the top schools, the latest generation of rulers graduated from. Look at their awards. Surely this crew can work wonders. There has to be someone who can fix everything. There have to be scientific means of perfecting society. We just have to give the scientists enough power. Yeah, that's the ticket. There must be impartial authorities writing intelligent rules. Someone must be able to deliver justice. Someone must care. And there must be demons, unbelievers, heretics, deplorables, the unworthy. The Church of the State's congregation wants to believe it is superior. So there must be inferiors out there for them to sneer at. They will not listen to criticism from demons, criticism from heretics. Their faith will not shake, no matter how badly and often Big government delivers failure, stupidity, and corruption because losing faith would mean admitting those deplorable, inferior heretics were right. Hatred will sustain faith in the state when hope is hard to come by. That's John Hayward over at Breitbart. Today's Tweet of the Day brought to you by Red State Pardon me. <laughs> Brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com, the big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV online. Have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental U.S. RedRiverYourWay.com. Today's tweet of the day was actually a thread of tweets because I just couldn't pick one. I just couldn't pick one. But, you know, that's the dealio. So many people in this country just, uh, they don't want to have faith in God. 
They don't have faith in their creator who gave his only son to die on the cross for their sins, but uh, that means they got faith in something else. How many times have you heard uh, liberal politicians, liberal media figures say, oh, the, the state is sacrosanct? Oh, yeah, 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 I remember back when he was uh, in Clinton's cabinet back in the 90s, Robert B. Reich, as Maharishi would call him. I think he was on uh, Crossfire on CNN. He was horrified that somebody would uh, cast aspersions upon the government, upon the Clinton regime, horrified. He said the state is sacrosanct. Sacrosanct. Well, it's not. It's not sacrosanct. Um, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. And um, people are uh, susceptible because we're all sinners. But um, people are crazy. You want you want a, an example of somebody who has faith in the government? Nicole Wallace, who used to work for George W. Bush in his administration, a full-fledged lib now over to MSNBC. Here's what she says. Oh, wait, i got to turn it back up. I'm sorry. I apologize. Yeah, I mean... Jason, you see how difficult this is for this administration. I mean, I'm a, I'm a Fauci groupie. I'm a thrice vaccinated mask adherent. I buy KN95 masks by the, you know, caseload. They're in every pocket. I wear them everywhere except when I sit down. Wait. My buddy over on Twitter, Politibunny, says, because COVID isn't contagious when you sit down. Ha, ha, ha. What a knucklehead. But people act like they believe that. They go into a restaurant wearing their masks. And they feel completely safe taking those masks, which never work in the first place, off once they sit down and make their drink order. Why? Because they're following the rules. It's an article of faith to believe the regime. Now, speaking of which, speaking of articles of faith to believe the regime, you might have heard of a guy named George Stephanopoulos. His real name is Stephanopoulos, but I just can't Resist the temptation to call him George Stepan all of us. He was a one of Bill Clinton's closest, most trusted advisors when Clinton was running for president in nineteen ninety two. There's a wonderful restaurant in uh downtown Little Rock called Doe's, Doe's Eat Place and the Serve steaks and tamales, all kinds of good stuff. Anyway, 
back when Bill Clinton was running for president in 92, he and his advisors, people like George Stephanopoulos, James Carville, Paul Begala, probably even Liv Carlisle, they would meet in the back room at Doe's in downtown Little Rock. So anyway, uh, Stephanopoulos, uh, Stephanopoulos at some point left the Clinton administration, decided he wanted to make big bucks hosting Good Morning America on ABC television. But he's not a journalist. I mean, he's never been a journalist. He is a political activist. God bless him, Rand Paul. Said to Rand Paul, called him out and said, look, you're supposed to be a journalist, not an activist. Um, Stepanopoulos had uh, Rand Paul on this week on Sunday. I just found out about last night. And it went something like this. Uh, Senator Paul, let me begin with a threshold question for you. Uh, this election was not stolen. Do you accept that fact? Okay, that's a lie. He knows it's a lie, but he gets paid to lie. He gets paid to lie. Well, what I would say is that the debate over whether or not there was fraud should occur. We never had any presentation in court where we actually looked at the evidence. Most of the cases were thrown out uh, for lack of standing, which is a procedural way of not actually hearing the question. Okay, this is going to drive George Stepp on all of us crazy. He's not going to address that issue. He's going to instead put some talking points out there. But anyway, here's more. There were several states in which the law was changed by the Secretary of State and not the state legislature. To me, those are clearly unconstitutional. And I think there's there's still a chance that those actually do finally work their way up to the Supreme Court. Courts traditionally and historically don't like to hear election questions. But yes, were there people who voted twice? Were there dead people who voted? Were there illegal aliens who voted? Yes, and we should get to the bottom of it. I'll give you an example. In my state, when we had a Democrat Secretary of State, she refused, even under federal order, to purge the of illegal voters, we got a Republican Secretary of State, and he purged the rules. Senator it Paul, I have, to, difference, I, and those things I, I have, have to, to stop occur. you there. There, no, no, no. You don't. You don't have to stop him. It's just bothering you. That he's speaking the truth. No election is perfect, but there there were eighty six challenges filed by President Trump and his allies in court. All were dismissed. Yeah, he already explained why on standing, not because any judge looked at the evidence. Stepanovich doesn't care about that. He's got to push the party line. He's got to push the narrative. He is a Democrat activist being paid to pose as a journalist by ABC television. Every state certified the results after. But no judge was willing to look at the evidence. After investigations, counts, and recounts, the Department of Justice, led by William Barr, said there's no widespread evidence of fraud. Can't you just say the words, this election was not stolen? No, because it was stolen. He's going to keep on coming back to the DOJ and William Barr. 
What I would suggest is that if we want greater confidence in our elections, and 75% of Republicans agree with me, is that we do need to look at election integrity, and we do need to see if we can uh, restore confidence in the elections. Well, 75% of Republicans agree with you because they were fed a big lie. Okay, now he's projecting. See, Democrat-based voters tend to believe whatever their leaders spoon-feed them with. So now Stepan Olivas is projecting that, that same modus operandi on conservative voters. By President Trump and his supporters who say the election was stolen. It's the truth. He knows it's the truth. Why can't you say? Well, I think where you make, I think, I think where you make a mistake, and uh, hey, George, 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 where you make a mistake is that people coming from the liberal side like you, you immediately say everything's a lie instead of saying there are two sides to everything. Historically, what would happen is if I said that I thought there was fraud, you would interview someone else who said there wasn't. But now you insert yourself in the middle and say that the absolute well, fact is that everything I'm saying is a lie. Well, but I would say, Senator, I said what the president fact, said was a lie because to. he said, hold on a second, to. he said. The election was stolen. This election was not stolen. This ele- the results were certified in every you're single was, state you're after saying, counts you're and saying, recounts. You're... But not audits. Counts and recounts. But not audits. Right? The party line. He's got to toe the party line. Oh, it could have been stolen because it was certified. Yeah, right. And because nobody who certified it could possibly be corrupt. Saying that absolutely it was, you're saying there was no fraud and it's all been investigated. And that's just not true. So it's not what I said, sir. I said the Department of Justice found no evidence. Let me, let me finish. finish my point. You, say you said something lie. that was you, not true. You say we're all liars. You're just simply saying we're all liars. And I said it was a lie that the election was stolen. Premise that you're right and we're wrong. Well, let, no. Well, let's let's talk about the specifics of it. In Wisconsin, tens of thousands of absentee votes had only the name on them and no address. Historically, those were thrown out. This time, they weren't. They made special accommodations because they said, oh, it's a pandemic and people forgot what their address was. So they changed. People forgot what their address was because it was a pandemic. Wow. Change the law after the fact. That is wrong. That's unconstitutional. And I plan on spending the next two years going around state to state and fixing these problems. And I won't be cowed by liberals in the media who say, there's no evidence here. and You're a liar if you talk about election fraud. No, let's have an open debate. It's a free country. There's there is no widespread evidence of election fraud that overturned the results. That was stated as well by the Department of Justice, led by President Trump's attorney general. In the third time. In less than three and a half minutes, he's quoted William Barr. He just keeps on coming back to the same talking points and ignoring the truth, the evidence, the facts that Rand Paul puts out there. Wisconsin, there were counts and recounts. Election was the election never stolen. That, even that's certified. not true. Even that's not true. Even William that's Barr not said true. that to Barr said that. But there was, yes, he said that, yes. That was a pronouncement. There has been no examination, thorough examination of all the states to see what problems we had and see if they could fix them. Now, let me say, to be clear, I voted to certify the state electors because I think it would be wrong for Congress to overturn that. But at the same time, 
time. I'm not willing just to sit here and say, oh, everybody on the Republican side is a liar and there is no fraud. No, there were lots of problems and there were secretaries of state who illegally changed the law and that needs to be fixed. And I'm going to work hard to fix it. And I won't be cowed by people saying, oh, you're a liar. Now, Stephanopoulos is not going to touch the point that electoral laws can only be changed legally by state legislatures, and Rand Paul is bringing up several states in which secretaries of state illegally change the laws. He's not going to respond to that whatsoever, not at all. That's the problem with the media today is they say all Republicans are liars and everything we say is a lie. There are two sides to every story. Interview somebody on the other side, but don't insert yourself into the story to say we're all liars because we there, there's some fraud there, in the election. There are, not, there, are not two, there are not two sides of the story. This has been looked at in every single state. The election oh, sure there are. Certified there are two sides to every story. State. It hasn't been looked at in every single state. Counts and recounts, but not audits. The audit that came out of uh, Arizona two or three months ago showed there were clearly, in just one county, many more fraudulent ballots than the margin of error of Biden over Trump in Arizona. Yeah, that was looked at. But Stephanopoulos doesn't want to look at it. George, you're forgetting who you are. You're forgetting who you are as a journalist. If you think there's only one side, you're inserting yourself into the story to say, I'm a liar because I want to look at election fraud and I want to look at secretaries of state who illegally change the voter laws without the permission of their state legislatures. That is incontrovertible. It happened. And you can't just sweep that under the rug and say, oh, nothing to see here. And everybody's a liar. And you're a fool if you bring this up. You're inserting yourself into the story. A journalist I'm- would hear both sides. And there are two sides of this. And again, again, what Stepanopoulos keeps going back to is the implied belief that if the government does it, it's right. If the government does it, it cannot, by definition, be wrong and it must be accepted. Stepanopoulos is a statist, he's a totalitarian by nature. I'm standing by facts. There are not two sides to facts. I did not say there, that this was a perfect election. I said it was the results were certified. I said it was not stolen. It is You're a lie to say people are liars. You're stolen. saying people are liars if they want to investigate what happened in the election. Should that's we not what I said. The fact that tens of thousands of absentee ballots did not have addresses on them and normally were disqualified, but this time they were counted. Should we examine that? I don't know whether it affected the election or not, but I have an open mind. And if we actually examine this, we find out it did. That's fine, but it still should be fixed. There, there's, there can be more investigations. The investigations that have taken place have shown there is not enough fraud to change the results of this election. Total lie. Total lie. Maricopa County, Arizona audit came out about three months ago. It definitely would have flipped the state from Biden to Trump just based on the fraudulent ballots in that one county. George Stephanopoulos gets paid to lie, and he has no problem with it. That has been certified by every state. It was stated by the Justice Department and the Attorney General. Was it the fourth or fifth time he goes back to Attorney General William Barr, Trump's AG? How many times has he said, well, it got certified by all the states? So what? So what? 
and I accepted the state certifications. But it doesn't mean that I think that there wasn't fraud and that there weren't problems that have to be investigated. And it doesn't mean that the law wasn't broken. I believe in Pennsylvania they broke the law. And I believe if that ever would get a real hearing in the Supreme Court, it was denied for standing. It wasn't actually taken up. If it were taken up, I do believe that the Supreme Court would overrule and say that they did break the law illegally. I asked you a very simple question. Was the election stolen or not? I think there was a great deal of evidence of uh, fraud and changing of the election laws illegally. And I think a thorough investigation is warranted. All right, look, I have been talking to you today about how the medical establishment is lying to us. And I want to give you the best kept secret in American health care. Let me ask you something. Do you have migraines? Do you have neck pain? Okay, look in the mirror. Does one eye look bigger than the other? Are your eyes off balance? Are your shoulders off balance? Look at a picture of yourself. Do you naturally, when they take a picture of you, lean to the left or to the right instead of standing up or sitting up straight? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, you probably need to get your atlas adjusted. That's how I got rid of my migraines and neck pain. Let me tell you how it works. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, which only weighs two ounces. So it's really easy for that atlas bone to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain, restricting your central nervous system's abilities to send impulses to the rest of your body. It can affect your respiratory system, your reproductive system, your digestive system, and yes, it can cause migraines and neck pain. Do yourself a favor. Call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center. If you're in Arkansas, 501-279-2009 for a free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted. If you're outside central Arkansas, go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, and click on the tab that says find a doctor to see if you can find a doctor close to where you live. Arkansas Upper Cervical Center for people in central Arkansas. Outside Central Arkansas, the website is TurnMyPowerOn.com. Click on the tab that says Find a Doctor, and you'll be glad you did. My wife's glad she did. I'm glad I did. So many people we know are glad that they did. All right, you've been listening to Episode 55 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier the 10th. And that's the way it is. Wednesday, December 29th, 2021.